Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about long-term care insurance won't make you rich. It will keep you from becoming poor is Stan Israel. Stan opened his own insurance brokerage over 20 years ago, adding long-term care coverages to his portfolio of life and disability products. A premier specialist in long-term care, Stan guides his clients through the complexities of the choices available with long-term care, as well as offering life, disability, and critical illness policies. Stan receives numerous invitations to speak at local financial planning, legal, senior, and insurance associations. Stan assures his clients, agents, and financial advisors that the products represented by his brokerage have only the highest ratings and reliability. How are you doing, Stan? Great, great Jason. Thank you very much for inviting us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to this, uh, this conversation on long-term care insurance. So before we get started, for those of you that are joining us today, if you have any questions, feel free to type those in. Um, and time permitting, we'll do everything in our power to get those questions answered. So Stan, let's get started. The need for long-term care insurance. The need for long-term care, it's, it's a crisis in America. We're facing a major tsunami as it comes to taking care of our seniors, but it's not only our seniors we're concerned with, it's also the uh, Gen Xs. Currently, there are 71.6 million baby boomers, but there's only 65.2 Gen Xers in the United States. What is long-term care? It's a broad range of services and assistance to people who are limited in their ability to function independently and who need help on a personal basis. It must exceed 90 days of care. We're not concerned about somebody who breaks a leg or breaks a hip. We're concerned about the long-term situation. It can result from either physical or mental limitations, and as I said earlier, it can affect the young or the old. It's a type of services that receive when somebody needs assistance, whether it be by accident, illness, or advanced aging. Currently, the fastest growing population in the United States is people over the age of 85. But we're seeing a lot of people over the age of 100 also. We are living longer. It is also the largest unpaid threat to somebody's financial independence. Of the 70% of people who enter a nursing home, they are destitute within one year. But long-term care is not nursing home insurance. Most care, 80% of all care is received in one home, one's own home. It can also mean adult daycare, residential or assisted living facilities, or a skilled nursing facility. What are the activities of daily living? They are in order. Um, they are transferring, getting out of bed, walking, uh, getting out of a chair, continence, controlling your bowels and your bladder, toileting, and that includes cleaning, uh, actually getting to and from the toilet, bathing. This is where most accidents for seniors occur, is getting in and out of the tub or a shower. Dressing. This includes uh, hooks, fasteners, tying shoelaces, things like that. Uh, thank goodness for Velcro. It really help, has helped. Eating, getting food into the mouth. The second trigger of eligibility for long-term care 
is what we call cognitive impairment. Of the people over age 85, 50% of them have dementia. One in 10 people over the age of 85 or by the age of 55 are going to need some long-term care due to an accident or not taking care of themselves, a heart attack, something like that. By age 50, 65, four in 10 are going to need some assistance. And by age 75, six in 10. One out of every three men, and for women, one out of every two women are going to need some long-term care at age 65. Long-term care for services, where people want to be taken care of is at their home. 68% of them are female. 54% are female. Now, a female might be married at the time, but then women outlive men, and therefore more women are on claim than men are. 34% are living alone. 46% have children who do not live nearby, or they have their own occupations. 56% of the people between the ages of 75 and 84 need some assistance. 32% are cognitively impaired, dementia, senility, Alzheimer's disease. The cost of home care is very is considerable. In fact, home care can be the most expensive type of care that a person receives. If you're looking at an average cost of care between $25 and $30 per hour with a minimum of four or six hours, you're talking about $100 to $150 a day. On a monthly basis, you're talking between $15,000 and $18,000 a month. The average in California, statewide average, is about $307 per day or $112,000 per year. How do people pay for long-term care? Well, there's Medicare, but on the Medicare, and I'll be going over these in just a few minutes, how to qualify for it. Liquidating assets. I've run into people who say, well, I don't need long-term care insurance. By the way, Long-term care insurance is for everybody. We're not concerned with the people who have very few assets, and we're not concerned about the very rich. But very rich people or the moderately rich people don't have that money sitting in a the bank. They're investments. And if the stock market goes down or the bond market or they have money in a bill that they own, when they liquidate it, they have to pay taxes on it. Friends and family. Medi-Cal, and I'll be going over that, and long-term care insurance. Medicare, which is one of the two federal programs, it's for people over the age of 65, and it, generally Medicare only pays for what we call skilled care. That means the type of care that you're receiving from somebody, the type of care that requires a license. For instance, somebody who needs um, therapy. Medicare does not pay for the help with your activities of daily living. In fact, a very interesting statistic came out that 
of people who are in a skilled nursing facility do not require skilled nursing care. They require custodial care. Custodial care, going back earlier, is to help with your activities of daily living. In a hospital, we are talking about acute care. Acute care means that it's short. They have you in the hospital for a few days. You're getting care. They fix the problem. But then what they do is they continue continuum of care. They send you to either a skilled nursing facility or a convalescent hospital or a rehab center. Under Medicare, they will pay for a maximum period of time of 100 days. The first 20 days, Medicare will pay for all expenses. After that, Medicare will pay everything above about $165 a day for the next 80 days. After 100 days, Medicare will not pay. This is a big misconception. When I talk to clients and they're under the impression that Medicare or their major medical plans or their health insurance will pay for skilled nursing, they don't realize it's very short because it only requires skilled care. Assisted living, you only have custodial care. There is no care for skilled nursing. And home and community care is basically self-care, adult daycare. These are great places for people to be when they need a uh, caregiver needs some time away or they need to socialize, YMCA, things like this, hospice care and respite care. 36% of caregivers die before the person that they're giving care to. Under Medicare, the first 20 days, as I said before, Medicare will pay if you require skilled care. If you don't require skilled care, then Medicare will not pay. And these are the numbers as of this year for the additional um, 80 days. To qualify for Medicare, you must be hospitalized for three days. Now, they've amended this. It's not being hospitalized. You must be treated for at least three days. So if you're in a hospital for observation, those days do not count. You must be admitted to the skilled nursing facility for the same condition that you were treated and be certified by a medical professional as needing skilled care. And you have to be restorative in nature. In other words, you have to show progress. If you're not getting any stronger or better, Medicare will no longer pay. Long-term care insurance. It's insurance just like every other type of insurance, car insurance, homeowners, earthquake, whatever you, other types of insurance you have. It's designed to specifically to meet the cost of providing care to people who require assistance with their normal activities of daily living or if they have a cognitive impairment. It gives you independence. Avoid being a burden or assistance on family members freedom to choose the place and type of care that you want. It protects your hard-earned assets, as I mentioned before. Long-term care insurance 
is the long-term care is the number one unplanned expense to seniors. Peace of mind, knowing that your future is secured, and I call it anti-nursing home insurance, the ability to be home rather than having to go to a facility. Medi-Cal, as we know it in California, or Medicaid, is limited to the financially indigent. That means you have to be pretty close to being impoverished to be eligible. A single individual who enters a skilled nursing facility is allowed to keep $2,000 of assets, excluding their home. A married couple of $121,000. The Deficit Reduction Act changed quite a few things as it pertains to qualifying for Medi-Cal. If you impoverish yourself or transfer your assets, look-back periods do apply. In California, it is still 36 months, the look-back period. So if you give your assets to your children or you sell them from for um, not market value, you can technically be responsible for paying those services because they bring it back into your estate. The state will review any shifting of your assets during a, and now again in California, it's a three-year look back. In other states, it's a five-year look back. If your home is worth more than $840,000, you will not qualify for Medi-Cal. And in California, you must be named as a remainder beneficiary on all annuities. The issue with Medi-Cal is that some facilities do not accept Medi-Cal residents because they reimburse at a set fee, whereas on the open market, they can charge whatever they want. And some facilities, when they do accept Medi-Cal, they have a very limited amount of beds that are available. Some people have said that, which is not supposed to happen, that there is a different level of care between somebody who is on Medi-Cal and somebody who is privately paying for it. Privately paying also means a long-term care policy. The cost of care here in California, and that should change, is 2020. The average cost of care is about $307 a day monthly slightly more than $9,000 a month. If the, and the average claim lasts about 3.8 years. So today, the average cost per person is about $418,000. Again, it's the number one unplanned expense for the elderly. Facts, one in four seniors wait too long to purchase long-term care insurance. It isn't only seniors. I have a person that I've been working with. I've known her for over 25 years. Our kids went to school together. I met with him yesterday, 62 years old. He's on an insulin pump, and he's uninsurable. I have another gentleman who is 58 years old, had quadruple bypass, uninsurable, presently. 
somebody who was in a car accident and became disabled, uninsurable. The purpose of long-term care insurance is just like every other type of insurance. You have to be insurable to get the coverage. 70% of all couples go broke within three months of entering a nursing home. But as I mentioned earlier, long-term care is not for everybody. You have alternatives, home equity conversions, reverse mortgages, deferred mortgages, sale and a leaseback. Continuing care retirement centers have all the levels of care under one roof. You have, you live independently, sometimes there are apartments, sometimes homes. If you need assistance, then you go into their assisted living facility, and they also have nursing home, uh, a nursing facility on their grounds. The other thing that many people do is they do nothing until it's too late. To buy or not to buy. A, sing a single 65-year-old purchases a long-term care policy for only $200 a day, three-year benefit. What their client is doing is they're buying $219,000 worth of coverage. If the client buys that and pays for it for 15 years, they'll have spent about $72,000. But his benefit pool is $327,000. So the return is 116%. There may even be tax deductibility for your long-term care premiums. You should check with your CPA. Again, these numbers have changed since this 2009, but this is when it was announced that it is deductible. Right now, a 71-year-old can deduct almost $5,000 per person per year. Stan, we got quite a few questions. Um, you gave uh, a couple different examples. One of the questions I have here, hold on for a second, as you meant, you talked about the word uninsurable. Is that a combination of age and or health, or is it just one or the other when you talk about uninsurable, Stan? We're talking about uh, generally it's health, but the okay. cost of premium as you get older gets very much more expensive, but it is your health. Money pays for this product, but your health buys it. When do you recommend that people start to have the conversations? Is there an ideal age for you, Stan, when somebody, if you just had an ideal client sitting in front of you, is there a certain age that you would say you need to have this conversation? I would recommend between 45 and 65. The reason I recommend that is because generally the kids are either in college or graduated college, and they're starting to look at their retirement and they know what the retirement's going to be. After age 65, we're seeing more and more people being declined because of their health. Can you give us a, a different example as far as what it would cost for somebody to get long-term care? That really depends upon the client. Okay. We, it, some clients want minimum amount of coverage. It's, I hate to say this, but it's like when you buy car insurance, you can have the 1530 or you can have 
the $100,000, $300,000 coverage. Okay. It depends upon the client. It depends upon what their financial situation is. Some Most clients want to do a little bit of what we call self-insuring, where if the cost of care is $300 a day, they may only want to insure $150 of it. If they go on claim, they realize they're going to be out of pocket for the other 150 Some clients want to do the whole thing. Some clients, they want to live in the Taj Mahal of facilities. They want to remain at home. So they look at $350, $400 a day of benefit. It all really depends upon the client. We look, we look at their needs, their costs, their estate plan, and most importantly, their budget. Is this something, Stan, when it comes to long-term care, when you reassess with your clients? Is it, is it, do you sit down with them every couple of years and talk about their long-term care changes? Typically, the policies that we recommend all have an inflation rider on okay. it to help keep up with the cost of care. It can range from 1% to 5%. Right now, interest rates are really low, so we're generally talking about 3%. 5% inflation is substantially more expensive. But you want to keep up with the cost of inflation. If somebody wanted to change their policy midstream, how does that look? Is that possible? Only way you can go increase your benefits for long-term care insurance if you have an existing policy would be to reapply and get a new policy. You can decrease your policy benefits at any time, but to increase it, you have to in go by the new attained age of that client. And it's, it's almost impossible to replace an existing policy. I don't recommend it. You might want to supplement it, but not replace it. That, that's the next question. I'm sitting here looking at the screen and somebody said, what about supplement it? What, what can you do there? What do you recommend? I recommend supplementing it. Supplementing it. For instance, somebody might only have uh, $200 a day and they didn't realize that they didn't have inflation. Many of the group policies were being sold for a minimum amount of cost. They were offering $100 a day of benefit but no inflation. Here it is a few years later, and they realize $100 a day is still $100 a day, which is what I purchased. We would supplement it to make it maybe an initial $100 a day, maybe $50 a day maybe $200 a day. It depends upon what their current benefit is, but do not replace your existing coverage. Do not. Okay. Um, is this a fixed cost? Last question here. Is this a fixed cost, like a mortgage, if you will, that will stay fixed until um, a set time? No, they're not. The insurance companies have the right to increase their premiums, but they have to do it by everybody who bought that series of product in that specific state. Now, there are policies now that we call hybrid or linked benefits. They are life insurance policies that where the death benefit can be used for long-term care services. Those policies are guaranteed 
because they're life insurance policies. That be, might be another option. I also no, no. recommend if you have a husband and wife, they get a policy with what we call share. Shared care has many benefits. Number one, if one benefit, if one client needs more benefit than they purchased, let's say their pool of money is drained, they don't have any more assets in their benefit policy, they can actually go into the second individual's and use part or all of theirs. And it's become very popular for most married couples. Okay. We, we had a last minute question. Some continuing care facilities don't necessarily provide care for stuff like dressing, feeding, and transfer that you may need to pay for those. So do you have any recommendation for when somebody's talking to continuing care facilities to find out what might be covered under long-term care? Well, what they're talking about is uh, assisted living or residential care facilities. Okay. These are where you can live independently. They have a set fee for room and board. But when you need services, they do a point system where if you accumulate certain amount of services required, then they charge you for it. Thank you for clarifying. Um, so Stan, uh, how can somebody find you? I'll give you my phone number is 818-706-1100 or you can email me at sdiins at aol.com. But please let, let me know that you have talked with us on this call so okay. I know where the referral comes from. Okay, good. Well, thank you again, Stan. Uh, these tough conversations don't typically get uh, happen in a family. And so um, starting to have that conversation sooner rather than later. You don't want to be a burden. The baby boomers do not want to be a burden on their families. Typically, the woman is the caregiver in a husband or wife situation. The woman is the caregiver. It's more important for women to have coverage than men but there are substantial savings, not only financially, but also physically. 36% of caregivers died before the person that they're giving care to. Yeah. If it isn't on the wife, it's typically either the daughter or the daughter-in-law who is the caregiver. Very good. Well, once again, Stan, thank you for your time today. Um, till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.